the taxi cab driver would always be happy to pull in, go through the drive-thru. I'd always offer to get him something. And then I'd walk on into the Orleans feeling really insecure because I was surrounded by champion bodybuilders who were surviving on saltines and water. And I'd be holding like three double-doubles and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get massacred. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. We're bringing the podcast in-house today, and for good reason. I'm talking to Barbend's managing editor, Andrew Gutman, who's covered some of the biggest events in strength sports history. But it's an especially interesting time for the strength community. Late July 2021, that's the month this podcast is being recorded and released, includes both the Tokyo Olympic Games and the CrossFit Games, making it one of the busiest periods ever for Barbens news writers. We discuss the upcoming challenges and thrills associated with covering multiple international sporting events at the same time, along with some fun stories from the trenches of strength sports coverage over the past few years. Also, we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbend podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. Well, Andrew, we're talking in a slightly different capacity uh, than normal because we obviously work together very closely uh, a lot of the time. Uh, but here you, here we have you on the Barbend podcast for the first time. We're going to talk about strength sports journalism, covering these events, some of the behind the scenes, and really the quadruple whammy of events that we have coming up here in the next few weeks, one by one by one by one. But first, give folks a little bit of, of your background and how you got involved in strength and strength sports journalism. It's kind of a, a strange career path, if I should say so myself. It sure is. Uh, and let me just say, I'm a little offended. I didn't get a full disclosure from David Tao. But yeah, so first off, thanks for having me on. I know I, uh, I'm a Barbend employee, but it's still cool to be able to sit down and, and talk with you on a pod. Uh, so yeah, my background, uh, short story long, as I would say, I went to Springfield College in Massachusetts to study strength and conditioning. And I figured out pretty quickly that that wasn't for me at the time. And then I took an intro to journalism class because, frankly, it was an easy A, I was told. And I was like, oh, this would be you know, just better than standard English 101. So I took the class and was not expecting to really just be enamored with the professor who was so passionate. Um, actually, his name is Marty Dobrow, and he's still an absolute force in the world of sports journalism. And he was just so passionate and really took the time to shepherd every student's interest in writing stories and really hammered home the importance of the written word and the power that could have if you tell the right story. And so I very quickly got involved with the student newspaper and then near senior year found myself kind of confused about what I wanted to do post-college, as I'm sure a lot of people feel. Uh, I was in a sports journalism major, did not like traditional sports. Uh, Marty Dobrow said, well, we have somebody at a magazine called Muscle and Fitness, 
And heard that, of it. Heard of it. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> that might be, uh, you know, up your alley. I, I was very into weightlifting, still am, not weightlifting the sport, but just lifting weights. And bodybuilding was a particular interest of mine. So landed an internship at Muscle and Fitness, uh, graduated, and then had a three, four-month period where I had a, another job I wasn't crazy about and then ended up at Muscle for about four years. And uh, now I'm here. <laughs> so <laughs> well, that's, that's it. I have to say, as far as careers in strength sports journalism, I, I called it like an unconventional career trajectory. That's actually probably the most conventional journalism career trajectory one can take in the strength sports realm because it's not the kind of thing where there are, you know, a hundred jobs full-time on the market at any given time if you want to write about strength sports. There are just a handful of places where you can do it. So it's really cool to hear that you had that support from within your educational community to pursue that because I'm pretty sure if this is what I wanted to do uh, in in college, if I realized that, um, I would have been like, maybe given a handshake and a good luck kid. So it's cool to know that there are support systems. What do you think surprised you most about actually doing this full time when you entered the workforce? Did it kind of meet your expectations from what you'd learned from your journalism classes or, or was it different in some capacity? So my background, so in college, my journalism background was very traditional. Uh, wrote a, a lot of heavy stories myself and, and our classmates, my classmates. And I guess like getting into muscle journalism or, or strength, uh, muscle, <laughs> muscle journalism. Muscle journalism, I like that. I like that. Um, I guess like the big thing that shocked me, and this is very magazine specific, not so much industry specific, but just the amount of money that magazines throw at production. Um, like I was very surprised to learn like, okay, I pitch a story, a training feature, let's say, and then we hire a model to shoot the images for that photo. We hire a photographer and um, either I write it or we uh, pay somebody to write it. And like I would pitch something and then the magazine would spend $6,000 to have it created. And I just remember being like, well, that's, that's kind of cool. And not something they tell you about, and it was kind of felt like a big responsibility um, to be to be to have the power to like wield pitches around and then spend a lot of money on having them created. It was kind of cool. It's also a lot of pressure too. It's like if I pitch this and it's bad, that might be a lot of economics or economic impetus that's put behind it for like not a great reason. Oh, that happened. That <laughs> happens. Uh, I'm trying to think. There was a story. Um, we've had a couple stories where that happened. We had a story. We we had a story where we shot a training feature. It was kind of like a CrossFit style training feature, and the model didn't show up in shape, and like that was a problem. Oh, uh, and that's not, that's not something you can like fix on the fly, right there. No, no, you can't be like, all right, we're gonna wait here for eight weeks, and you're gonna you're gonna shed that body fat off. No, it was. I was like, whoa, you're. You're not you're not in good shape. <laughs> like this is your job. Um, yeah, that that definitely happens. Um, there have been a couple stories where, like maybe the angle wasn't fleshed out enough, and then it goes to it's time for the designers to do their work, and they're like, "What are we? What are we doing?" And you're like, "Oh no, nobody knows what this is going to be." The ecosystem of traditional print magazines is something that I have experience 
in, and we, we both have experience in, I'd say you a little bit more directly in this space. Uh, at the same time, it's not necessarily how we do things at Barbend. You know, we're not spending $6,000 on every pitch that Andrew comes up with, uh, you know, in our editorial meetings. But, but if, if we did, um, we'd probably have a very different product. So when you're, when you transitioned over just to the purely digital side, which Barbend is, we're not, we're not printing magazines on glossy paper, at least these days. I don't know. Well, future is long. Maybe we will. What was the toughest part of, for you to make, or the toughest thing for you to transition to when it came to just digital and, and working at an outlet like Barbend? By the way, this is a tough question because I'm the CEO of the company. So I'm kind of like asking a question that, might be a little too personal. So sorry about that, if, if that's uncomfortable. Uh, nothing is hard. The job is perfect. Uh, I would say I'm very good at the job. No, um, <laughs> no uh, that's a, yeah, that's a great question. That's something I've thought a lot about because coming from a magazine to a, to a digital product is very different. But it's also in a lot of ways not different. Uh, it, I would say just the, the pure output. Just the pure output. A magazine is a huge burden. There is a lot that goes into it, a 160-page magazine. But the workload is not constant. At Barbend, on any given day, we'll have four to five news stories that need to be conceptualized, written, edited, and published. We also have contributor content that needs to be edited and and published or scheduled. Uh, We also have meetings strategizing meetings. We have um, video work that needs to be done. There's just so many moving parts and it's just constant all the time. I'd say with magazines, there were definitely times where I had, where there were lulls um, and like freelancers were kind of off doing the work and you were waiting for that to be done. And then you would grind real hard for two to three weeks to get the product uh, in shape. Uh, so yeah, definitely just the just the output and the the consistency of it is definitely a big change. The internet never sleeps. Let's change course a little bit. What are some of the as as I ask a question that's maybe not so terrible of me to ask, um, <laughs> put you on the spot. What are some of the most memorable events you covered for uh, muscle and fitness when when you were there? Yeah, I always love covering the Mr. Olympia bodybuilding competition. So Muscle and Fitness was owned by American Media Inc., AMI. Uh, It no longer is, but it was. And the Olympia was also owned by AMI at the time. So the Muscle and Fitness crew was always flown out there just to show face, uh, you know, produce content, organize photo shoots. And it was always a really good time. It was in Vegas, which nothing against people who go to Vegas, not my cup of tea, but fun for a four or five day trip. You want you want to be in Vegas for no longer. If it turns into a five to six day trip, too long. That's my opinion. You want like a taste of Vegas. You want yeah. I first thing I would do is I touch down and I would have the taxi driver take me to In and Out Burger, which was near the Orleans. I used to do the same thing. I used to do the exact. I have that In and Out Im- the image of that In and Out imprinted in my mind. Exact same thing. You go under the bridge, yes, and then it's yes. on your right. Yes, uh, it's 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 kind of it's almost like elevated above everything else around it. It's yes. like this gleaming beacon. Everyone who's listening from California is going to be like these noobs. Like this is nothing special. But for us, for the East Coasters, we you know it, it's unique. It's it's different. 
it is special. And the taxi cab driver would always be happy to pull in, go through the drive-through. I'd always offer to get him something. And then I'd walk on into the Orleans feeling really insecure because I was surrounded by champion bodybuilders who were surviving on saltines and water. And I'd be holding like three double doubles and I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get massacred. I'm imagining the like the the old cartoons where the cartoon characters are like elevated by scent trails and they like levitate off the ground as they're following the scent of something. That's you walking into the Olympia with a bag of in and out. That's what I'm imagining. Yeah, I'd I'd say that's pretty accurate. Except everybody's far scarier looking, <laughs> far bigger. Um, but yeah, so the uh, I love I love the Olympia. It's just such a the, from the expo to the actual competition. It was such a, um, I don't mean this in a derogatory sense, but it's such a circus. Like, it's so interesting just to see, like, first off, bodybuilders in real life are pretty trippy to look at. They're huge. Um, and then just like the production value of it all was pretty crazy. Uh, you know, you're staying in the Orleans, which if, if anyone listening has never been or heard of the Orleans, this is very like, it's not nice by Vegas casino hotel standards. I wouldn't call it nice, but it's just this very cool, kitschy little smoke-filled hotel, um, and it had a lot of personality. I always like staying there, even it, though I stayed at New Orleans. It harkens to like an older era of Las Vegas. Yes, before the family friendliness. It, so uh, <laughs> it was it was always bodybuilders and then like 79 year old women playing slots yeah and yep. that was that was the that was the crowd and there was no one in between there's like very few in between there was me with my was you, uh, you. Yeah. you were the, you were the the bridge uh but yeah so definitely the olympia i've been to a couple arnold arnold expos which are a fun time um and i would say those are like the two big events two big events that I covered pretty consistently. But what about you? Oh, you're turning it back on me. Yeah, got, yeah. What about you, man? I, I mean, so I've been to a few... I mean, the, I always found the Europa Expos fun because they were a little less intimidating than like the Arnold Expo. Um, I've actually never been to the Olympia, so I, sh- I should totally, totally admit that. I always thought the Europas were fun because you could actually like have a conversation with people. They weren't so crowded. Like you could go up and talk to Ronnie Coleman or Branch Warren on the bodybuilding side, just like a few folks who, you know, we were lucky enough to interact with. Um, for me, the coolest event, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it back on, on you in a second and talk about events cover, coverage for Barbend. But I think that, uh, I mean, covering the 2017 Weightlifting World Championships in Anaheim, where we were doing color commentary, like we were very much on the ground in an environment that was somewhat comfortable like it was american soil right like i felt like i could get around i knew what was going on i knew a lot of people there like i ran into people that i you know uh who had coached me in weightlifting um i ran into old teammates of mine we're actually kind of like doing actual work going and doing commentary on sessions and uh and, and we also just happened to be staying at the great wolf lodge which is like this indoor water park and hotel complex um and it was during the winter, so the water park was closed, even though it was warm. It was Anaheim. And we stayed in the same hotel as the Iranian team and the Georgian team. And so we ate in the same cafeteria as them. But 
there was like one bottle of ketchup in the entire cafeteria and everyone wanted to, to use it like for every meal. So there's like something really interesting about like sitting down in the morning and eating your eggs and trying to add some ketchup for flavor to these powdered eggs. And suddenly like La Chitalikadze is like, you know, not really in English, but like kind of points at the ketchup kind of like asking if he can grab it. And you're like, yeah, man, like, Go for it. Get your calories in. You're six, seven, three hundred. Who knows how many pounds? Like, and the strongest man in the world. Like, yeah, that that's okay. Um, so for me, that just really sticks out as an experience because we were all just like, it was like all these teams of these accomplished weightlifters, and then like the barbend crew covering it, and we just happened to pick the hotel where they put. Basically, it seemed like all the super heavyweights. So, I can only imagine how large Lasha looks in person. Um, I have one more follow-up before you turn it back on me. If you never covered in Olympia, what the hell were you doing at the Orleans? Uh, It was for the National Pro Grid League, which was like a team functional fitness competition, not related to CrossFit officially, but some of the people who used to work with for CrossFit were involved with it. And I was involved on the media side as it was trying to get off the ground. And they had the first ever combine to assess athletes leading up to an athlete draft. Uh, it was there at the Orleans. So uh, it was there at the Orleans. That's all I need to say about that. You know, in the in the in the auditorium where they have you know basketball, everything from basketball games to the Olympia. They set up the like grid competition floor, and you know the athletes were lifting weights and doing pull ups and rope climbs and all that stuff right there. Uh, I was hoping for a cooler story, but I appreciate I appreciate the thorough answer. I mean, I, I'm I'm going to give you the honest one. I'm going to I'm going to open book here. So when it comes to covering events for Barbend, you know, Andrew, you haven't been you've been with the team for just under a year, but we've covered a lot and we've covered everything remotely so far because it's been. Uh, I mean, you you got hired during the COVID pandemic, so a lot of stuff was virtual or like very limited access or occurred in you know a bubble. Um, so what have been some memorable moments from things you've covered thus far? And then I'm going to transition the conversation to the the coverage bonanza that is that is going to be occurring in a matter of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so in terms of covering events remotely, I still think it's a lot of fun. You're still very plugged in with the team and there's a lot of camaraderie behind it. Like during World's Strongest Man, which was very early this past June, that was a absolute like tornado of coverage. There was so much going on. Well, um, to, and to be fair, we did have a person on the ground there just to, just to toot Barbin's horn a little bit. We did have a person on the ground. Uh, shout out to our staff writer, our senior writer, Phil Blackman, who did an awesome job covering the event. Um, but yeah, but you're still very plugged in with everybody. But to answer your question, I really liked my first CrossFit games. That was the first time I've ever covered CrossFit you know, of course, I know what CrossFit is, but you know, I knew what it was before coming on to Bar Bend, but never have I been exposed to it at that level. And I was like, so I was like really impressed and also kind of scared for the athletes <laughs> by the sheer volume of events. And having, we did have people in the office, we were, you know, safe, but we did have some people in the office. And that, that was fun. You know, you're, you're, tearing up the keyboard, writing a lot of content, you know, at the end of the night, you, you maybe have a drink, you have some pizza. It, there was a, still a lot of camaraderie. Um, and I do think covering events, 
either from home or in an office is also pretty efficient. I would say it is pretty efficient. Like being like writing, trying to write a story in the uh, Orleans Expo Center is not like efficient. So being able to have a desk and like kind of be at HQ, it does make the coverage, I think, a little bit better. And I think too, there's there's something to be said for that hybrid model. Like I'm very excited to get back to live events, to have people at live events, but at the same time, like a lot of the work can be done more efficiently from an office that's actually set up to handle like a newsroom. So, you know, I anticipate moving forward, we're, we're going to have to navigate this. Like, well, we want to have people on the ground. There's a lot of value to that. But at the same time, it's nice to have people with like predictable Wi-Fi and a comfortable office to do some of this stuff. So it's going to be an interesting balance moving forward that you and I are going to have to figure out how to work through. Yeah. I mean, this is, I think this upcoming slew of events is a pretty, pretty good example of that. You know, we have the CrossFit Games coming up from July 27th to August 1st. We have the Olympic Games, which runs from July 24th to August 8th. We also have a few weekend events. We have the IFBB Tampa Pro, which is a huge qualifier in the world of bodybuilding. Uh, We have Static Monsters, which is a very odd couplet of events, but a pretty cool, popular show. It's heavy log press and, and axle deadlift, I think. And then we have the Strongman Classic. So there's a lot of coverage we have to wrap our head around. Um, And we will be remote for all of that. Uh, I I will be at the... I'm taking a small team to the CrossFit Games, but the primary, like the the core of Barbin's editorial team will be remote. There was was a a moment where we we were actually considering taking everyone to Hawaii for the Games since the time zone difference is a little bit better. And that's where Team USA is going to be based. But uh, let me just put it this way. That would have been very, very expensive because you had to quarantine on the front end, which is like basically paying for two weeks for of like a hotel room for a whole team. It's extremely cost prohibitive. And my hope is that as live events open back up... Um, you know that's that's a part of it we don't have to like incorporate or, or, or account for. But let's talk about some of these events specifically. Which of the four events you just mentioned are you most excited about? I'd be I'd be biased and say the Olympic Games because hey, it only happens every four. In this case, every five years, so kind of crazy. But are there any that you're really excited to to cover, or that maybe Barbend is covering in a in a different way than we have in the past? Yeah, I, I like the CrossFit Games. I'm a big fan of the CrossFit Games. Um, I like. It's CrossFit does a pretty good job of keeping keeping media and fans and athletes on their toes. And although it can be sometimes a little frustrating, it's also fun. And again, it keeps us on our toes. It keeps us sharp. And it's just such a whirlwind of of writing and editing. And everyone's in the office. So yeah, I, I do like the CrossFit Games. I'm also a huge... I've really grown to respect the heck out of those athletes. I'm really, really... Not that I didn't respect CrossFit athletes before, but now that I'm, I've really covered them uh, quite a bit, man, like, I don't think I could do at Atlanta, at Atlanta with a gun to my head. The, the and, last event, the last event of last year's CrossFit Games. Yeah, the, yeah, so, yeah. For context, it was the final event of the 2020 CrossFit Games after athletes already completed 
um, was it 11 events prior yes, over the that. course of three days. And I was like, I, they had to do run a mile, do 300 kipping pull-ups, 100 handstand push-ups, uh, t- pistol squats. I Yeah. So it's just pretty insane to me, pretty mind-boggling. I really find CrossFit just to be crazy in a great way. Um, the Olympic Games... That's obviously really exciting. I've never actually covered an Olympics, so this will be my first Olympics. Muscle and Fitness didn't really cover strength sports like we cover strength sports at Barbend. So, yeah, it's cool. You know, there's it, it'll be a little complicated because the, the events are happening in Japan time. So, Barbend will have to be up around two in the morning, three in the morning for some of those events, uh, which. We have an awesome team who's willing to do that, and I think there's some there's some fun in that. Maybe after the fact, but yeah, there's some fun when you look back on it and you're like, "That was a trip." Yeah, yeah, man, I, I can't believe we did that. But in the moment, maybe not so fun. Yeah, but that'll be cool. So yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to the CrossFit Games, but really all the events. I like the event coverage. I like working under pressure. What do you think is going? I mean. Hmm. Let me figure out what I want to ask here. Normally I have the second question queued up. Oh, this is a great question. Is there any particular athlete or any particular session that you're excited about among all those events? Uh, in weightlifting? It could, it could be weightlifting. It could be the CrossFit Games. You know, I mean, a, a big thing, you know, folks are wondering on the CrossFit Games this year is, you know, who's going to step on to the men's podium now that Matt Fraser is retired? Tia is still competing, so there's a little bit less of a question mark there. On the Olympic side, you know, there are particular athletes people are really jazzed to see, especially given the delay uh, for the Tokyo Olympics. So out of all of these, is there like a moment that you're really looking forward to and, and, and focused on, not only in covering this, but as a fan? Yeah, I mean, super heavyweight, Lasha Talakahadze, I can't wait to see that guy lift. I mean, that'll be fun. I, yeah, Lasha is a guy, I know you've made this joke before, I'm going to make it out, but Lasha keeps bar bend, pretty much keeps the lights on, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> anytime, anytime that guy picks up a barbell, it's some sort of record. And it, we have covered, hey, maybe, I think he set like three different records this year alone, like all-time records. Yeah, records, or, or if it wasn't an official record on a competition platform, it was... The literally the heaviest lift ever caught on camera. Yeah, and he's done that maybe twice this year. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really excited to watch him lift. He's primed to set another world record, beat his own world re- world record. I'm also a fan. I really like uh, she in the 73 kilogram men's class. He, he's really exciting and dynamic. Um, I love he he screams before every lift or during every lift. I think he's fun to watch. I'm um, also CJ Cummings is in that class. Um, go team USA. Not to be biased, but you know it is the Olympics, so go team USA. Oh, I'll fit a disclaimer in here since you asked for one. Barbin is the official media partner of <laughs> USA Weightlifting, so uh, there's your bias disclaimer. So, so there, uh, there you go. So super heavyweight men's and then also the 73 kilogram men's class at the Olympics. I'd say I'm looking forward to those two, those two sessions. I think there's, I think we're going to see fireworks in those sessions. I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly which type it is kind of funny because going into the CrossFit games, we have Tia just asserting her utter dominance and it's, it's, it's very much hers to lose on the weightlifting side. We have a similar situation with Lasha because he's so far ahead of all the other competitors in that class 
it have to, something extraordinary would have to happen for him to not come away with his second consecutive Olympic gold medal. So we are seeing kind of two rungs uh, or two historically dominant athletes um, just kind of crammed into the same two weeks of uh, this strength. I'm calling it a strength sports bonanza because I don't think we've ever seen this density of events at this high a level ever in the history of barman. And we've been doing this for five years. Yeah. The, a lot of the excitement is like, will they lose? I, we saw that last year at the 2020 CrossFit games where Matt and Tia, I mean, they were a lock. They were just a lock at a certain point. We, we all knew that they were going to win. And I think Jeffrey Adler said it pretty well where he was, there was a clip of him kind of talking with the other men's competitors. And he was like, I just don't want him him being Matt Frazier to win the next event. It was just when, when Samuel Quant almost beat him or did beat him in the swim event, event nine, I believe that was a huge story. You know, that was the angle. It's like the one of only two events. I think Frazier lost that entire game. So yeah, I mean, not that you're rooting against these, these folks because they're phenomenal athletes, but you know, yeah, the, the, the excitement is, will they lose? Because they are expected to dominate. Excellent. Well, Andrew, I appreciate sh- you sharing a little bit of uh, insight into what you do, your history in the, the, the muscle content space. Let's put it that way. I think it's a broader way to say it. And, and also uh, a little bit of pre- the preview of a very uh, important cluster of events we have coming up uh, for coverage in the space. Where's the best place for people to follow along with uh, the work you do? Um, be it personal, social media, or on Barbet? Uh, yeah, so barben.com. That's where I do most of my writing <laughs> <laughs> Writing these days. I would definitely recommend checking out that site. Um, and also, um, my personal website is ajgutman.com. I have some old clips there uh, back from my magazine days and freelance days. But really, barben.com. Check it out. Excellent. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us. Really excited to, to tackle this, this next period with you. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me.